Welcome to Technology Forward, where we explore trends and developments in the additive manufacturing industry. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening. Several engineering companies say we have the technology to reverse climate change, one of which is using direct air capture. Interestingly, additive manufacturing has the potential to play a major role here. I'm here today with Scott Green, 3D Systems Principal Solutions Leader, and Matt Atwood, founder and CEO of Air Capture, to explore direct air capture and how additive manufacturing can help. So thank you both for joining me here today. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. First of all, um, can somebody give me or can somebody briefly describe the challenges we face in reversing the changes we are experiencing through the climate? Sure, I'm happy to do that. The um, CO2 emissions from, from industry is a primary driver for climate change. One of the important things to understand about CO2 is that it has a long half-life in the atmosphere. A pulse of CO2 into the atmosphere typically lasts about 150 years. Uh, so one way to think about the effects of climate change that we're feeling right now is that we're only really feeling the effects of emissions from pre 1960 And the, the buildup of these emissions over time are problematic and growing. When we look at the challenges of climate change, the uh, United Nations and other groups under the Paris Agreements have said, you must limit global warming up to below 3 degrees centigrade from uh, pre-industrial uh, emissions. The challenges of meeting that target realistically mean that the only way to get it done is to pull CO2 from the air. It is not no longer possible that we can solve the problem with renewables alone or with electrification. So the building up of the capacity of direct air capture and similar technologies that take CO2 out of the atmosphere and retire it or do something useful with it, such as making many of the same products we use in industry today, is on the critical path to avoiding the existential threat of climate change. Okay, uh, Matt, can you briefly describe what direct air capture technology is and how this technology benefits various industries and could even be an economic opportunity? Sure, direct air capture very simply is pulling CO2 out of the air and trying to do something useful with it. So we build technology that have the ability to capture CO2 from the air, which is a very dilute in the air, so it's a challenging problem to solve, uh, and then make that CO2 available for industry. Uh, the global economy runs on carbon. It's in everything we do. It's in our building materials, it's in fuel, it's in all of our food processing, plastic, battery materials, and then across the board is carbon-based. The economic opportunity with emerging technologies like direct air capture is to be able to provide all those same materials that we use today, but rather from rather having the carbon come from the ground, which increases the global CO2 emissions, increases the atmospheric loading of CO2, we can pull the same carbon out of the air, make all those same products, and do so in a carbon negative way, where ultimately we're net reducing the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere. And so we view this as, you know, we think CO2 is not just a threat, it's a major opportunity economically. And direct air capture unlocks our ability to make those products. So how do you capture the air? 
Well, the first rule in direct air capture is you have to move a lot of air. CO2 is very dilute in the air. It's uh, about 400 parts per million, which is 0.04% by volume. So you have to build a device that uses a fan to move air through a contactor. In our case, we use ultra low pressure drop contactors. Uh, so the energy associated with the fan from moving the CO2 to the contactor is as low as possible. On that contactor, we have a special sorbent. The sorbent grabs the CO2 from the air, and then we release the sorbent, we release the CO2 from the sorbent by adding heat to that. And so the machine is a simple device that has a fan and contactors that rotate and collect CO2 from the air and then release the CO2 that we then use. So then you capture this carbon and what do you do with the carbon after that? Um, and in what form is it in after you've separated it from the O2? Sure, once you pull the CO2 out of the air, it's just CO2 gas at one atmospheric pressure. And from there, we can do many things. So that can be used directly by greenhouses or food packaging applications. We can liquefy it, which is used heavily in beverages, uh, you know, sodas and beers. It can be turned into dry ice, which is used for refrigeration of solid CO2. Uh, it can be sequestered into the ground geologically. Uh, so the CO2 is pumped underground, it stays there. But it can also be converted into other products. We can turn the CO2 into plastics, into fuel, uh, into chemical precursors, battery-grade materials, a number of different products can be made from the CO2. Okay. So where does additive manufacturing come in, in helping with direct air capture? Yeah, I can pipe in here. Yeah, thanks, Matt, for that awesome summary. It's totally true. I, I, I agree with all those points. And you know, additive manufacturing comes in in a, in a couple of different ways. Number one, there's the kind of traditional values that additives offer to manufacturing in general, which is speeding the time to market, reducing the time it takes to get prototypes, things like that. The kind of traditional, long-standing values that additive provide. Um, but then, you know, when you look at there's this, there's, you look at the systems, the actual process column, the process of, of catching and converting these gases. It's essentially a big chemistry set, right? Like your, your usual college or high school chemistry set, but it's, it's a chemistry set that is industrialized to do one operation or several operations extremely well. So, you know, just, just like any sort of chemistry set, you've got like loss, you've got uh, environmental conditions, you've got pressure and temperature you have to maintain. So uh, it becomes a problem of making the machine becomes the problem of how do you make the most efficient device or components of devices that allow you to not only component consolidate and make them faster, but also make the, make the device that allows you to make that chemical reaction uh, as efficient as possible. So it, what, what that means is you need to tap into geometry and design methodologies that wouldn't normally be be possible with traditional manufacturing. So again, it's additive comes in in a couple different ways. Number one is helping speed the time to market the kind of traditional value. But then, you know, there's, there's kind of this untouched area in, in the additive market in general for like chemical reactions and process engineering that uh, it's a really sweet spot for additive manufacturing to do things like static gas mixers or chillers or turbo machinery, for instance, is Turbo machinery is, is required in, in, in various levels or layers of, of direct air capture, point of source or, or distributed to take that air and ram it 
uh, into a system or encourage it into a system at a very high efficiency. And, and additive manufacturing has already been uh, widely adopted by and supported by the turbo machinery or energy production companies for, geez, almost 20 years already uh, in a production way. So, you know, generally uh, it, it's building on top of what aerospace and automotive and energy have already done from a turbo machinery perspective and chemical reaction perspective. And also it has some elements of, of you know, semiconductor capital equipment and high tech components where we take all these different methodologies we've learned from different sectors and we apply it to something totally new here. And we're finding a lot of synergy. Okay, I kind of want to explore it as kind of a sidebar here, this idea of additive in the chemical industry. Can you maybe uh, go into that a, a little bit more in depth? Yeah, sure. I think, you know, if you take a, a 30,000 foot view and of additive manufacturing public representation, you know, like the, the effect of the presence of marketing or communication on, on production additive manufacturing in the market for the past five to 10 years, it's been like aerospace, automotive, consumer products. Okay, well, that is not only boring, but completely crowded. Okay, it's very crowded, but been there, done that. Now, if you start to look at these other areas of industry, there's all types of really interesting places additive can, can apply itself. You know, we've, we've been doing a huge push in semiconductor capital equipment, for instance, in the last few years, which is generally no one's ever associated additive with it, but it's a huge fit, great fit. In the chemical processing space, also, I mean, um, you look at petrochemical refineries, there's great opportunity there to take process columns. Uh, anything that's a process column is essentially a tall stack of chemical reactions that occur. And it's an opportunity, additive is an opportunity to take these super complex, highly assembled things and consolidate them in space and increase the, the function and performance of them. Um, so there's, there's applications there, not only in like, in, in, you know, fuel refinery, but also again, here we're talking in the direct air capture space, it's very similar things, um, but also hydrogen fuel production, the hydrogen economy is another thing where you've got electrolyzers and other things that can be built extremely efficiently with additive manufacturing. Yeah, and, and again, even just like uh, paint processing or chemical processing, drug manufacturing, chicken nugget making, like this, this whole highly specialized process equipment that perform a series of steps that just need to do it as efficiently as possible over and over again it is a place that uh, it's kind of a blind spot for the additive industry. You know, there, there's a couple trillion dollars worth of chemicals and chemical processing equipment made every year. And, and it's, it's a place not really looked at yet. And we're finding great success there. So I take it additives abilities to reduce assemblies to uh, make complex, geometrically complex parts, that's what's driving your interest in, uh, in a chemical space here, right? Yeah, and you know, d deeply also I have a green streak in me, not only is my last name green, but I, you know, I'm passionate about green causes and I have been since I was a kid. And I see it as an opportunity, not like working with Matt to help further some of these green causes, but, but yes, you're right. But those applications to maybe less green industries can help improve their efficiency now whether they whether those companies take that extra efficiency and use it to keep being dirty and line the pockets is one question but it presents the opportunity for other maybe dirtier industries to become even more efficient and pollute less by by using additive manufacturing to create more efficient processes with less waste can you can either of you go into a little bit about what kind of parts for the direct air capture are being additively made. Like I saw 
that there might be like some heat exchangers or some other things. Can you go into that a little bit? Yeah, I'll take a couple of them and I think I can hand it over to Matt on other opportunities. But again, you know, if you look at all the opportunities at, at direct air capture, you've got you've got to push air. Okay? You've got to push air in some way super efficiently. And there's a bunch of ways to do that. You could just take a huge fan that moves really slowly. Because again, the game is you can't make more carbon than you're taking out of the air. So you got to have super efficient, significantly negative operating operating model. So you, you got to have efficient, really efficient per gram or pound of fuel air moving, which is again, turbo machinery components. It's, it's been around, additive has been working in turbo machinery again for almost two decades. That, that's bread and butter, easy stuff. That's easy to go ahead and apply. There's heat exchangers in, in quite a few places, depending on the configuration and heat, heat exchangers again, very well proven out in the additive space is just turning and applying it to another place that needs it. And then you start getting into some of the more like exotic and interesting stuff. Like, okay, like if you're just looking at, I need to uh, push air and I need to kill heat. Okay, that's easy. Then you've got stuff like direct air contactors. You've got um, process equipment that are chillers or burners, um, steam generators, boilers, things like that are, are, are all really good targets for us. Um, and, and then again, in process chambers too, you've got, you know, potentially a couple different things happening. You might have, you know, in a traditionally manufactured lattice like Melipac or something like that, and maybe a solvent spring process to help get carbon off of the traditional lattice. Well, that, that can be converted into really efficient lattice. You know, everyone knows that, that lattice is really a, a something that additive enables. And this is a great example of where lattice can be useful with it, with additive. You, you got to make essentially big mechanical filters. And that, that's what lattice and carbon capture are really all about. And, and then with the ability to engineer highly efficient solvent spraying systems, that really allows us to even improve clean out of the direct air capture cells or contactors by just better by better spraying pressure washing off the carbon instead of letting a drip process, you know, kind of carried away. Are the materials dominantly metal or plastic or both? Yeah, so far we've seen a lot of metal, aluminum and stainless steel or other steels. I think there's absolutely an opportunity for plastic, like chemical resistant or high temperature plastics out there in the market for sure. Matt, did you want to add anything about the kind of components that direct air capture benefits using additive manufacturing? Well, I think additive manufacturing, as you know, as, as Scott said, enables um, for very rapid prototyping and testing for different uh, types of arrangements and surfaces and things uh, that help to advance the technology, you know, much more quickly and, and at a lower cost. Uh, in our applications, we're, we're, we're really kind of focusing in on areas where we see additive manufacturing having a unique ability to enable us to integrate our technologies with our customers and industrial needs in uh, you know, highly efficient ways, building high energy systems uh, that it, uh, can provide you know, more value to our customer. Um, this question is for either of you. Do you think, or is there anything that additive manufacturing technologies needs to develop or advance in, in order to continue what you're doing and even make this process more efficient and better? Yeah, I can take that. Um, I think there's definitely, right now, if you look at the metal additive manufacturing space, um, laser powder bed fusion is, is really quite a mature technology. It's been around for quite a while. And if you look at the state of the machines, you know, the, 
technology tends to settle and you know there's usually been getting lots of different changes while it's trying to be mature and then when it becomes mature there's more focus changes like material and speed and productivity per dollar so i think that those are the traditional things that you're going to see in the middle additive space now which are number one like material opportunity now that the machine the recipe for making an lpbf part is pretty pretty firmed up um, now there's a significant effort and explosion of new materials i think in the last five or six years or so in lpbf but in order to really scale, you know, something that we at 3D Systems do is we take a look at a market or an industry and we take a look at the really highly valuable applications where we know additive is a good fit. Then we start chipping away at the barriers for scale and adoption. So, okay, we know that, for instance, a couple components are, are an excellent fit for additive manufacturing and direct air capture. Now, what can we do as a company to make us the most efficient process to, to support that demand? Um, so to, to answer your question, I'd say, you know, productivity per dollar, you know, total part productivity, how can I make the cost of components cheaper and make significantly more of them than I could with just, you know, you know five years ago with a single laser danced over some powder? How can I make, you know, extremely complex, long scan time parts? Okay, lots of drawing go much faster so I can produce parts in great volumes at a reasonable cost. And that, that's definitely one of the major contributors to, going to be one of the major contributors to scale and adoption. And that's something we're focused heavily on. Okay. So it's an, it's, an, it's, a, it's an economic formula really right now. Like everything is there that we need. It's a matter of, okay, how can we do this after we've proven it as fast and as huge as possible? Matt, any comments from you? What would you like to see in additive? Well, I'm certainly, I'm not, a, I'm not an expert in, in the state of the art as in manufacturing. But I think that the ability to make parts uh, with mixed alloys, different alloys um, mm -hmm. that have high complexity, and also, you know, eventually looking at larger production envelopes is something yeah. that I think will help the technology, you know, framework scale over time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely agree with that. Multi-material metal printing, where you've got basically ninety percent one material and ten percent another, is super interesting because it allows you to reduce plating processes coding processes, things like that. Absolutely. And then larger, larger bed frames, more quick and dirty. Again, like high productivity, large bed frame results are, are, are definitely needed. Sounds cool. I, I remember there was a technology that could handle multi-materials in, in additive um, mm -hmm. years ago, but that was more in the plastics field than in the metals. Yeah. Yeah, I see in less of that, you know, real true application and production application, production applications, less real true opportunity there, except for like medical diagnostic modeling and things like that. It's, you know, it's real clear, but the materials uh, for prototyping and diagnostic modeling are definitely there. But for metals, very sparse actual participation from the industry in developing something truly uh, useful and scalable. Okay. Well, those were my questions. Um, do you guys have any final thoughts you wish to add? No, I don't. Thank you so much. All righty. Well, thank you both so much. I appreciate your time. This sounds like a fascinating new field. Yeah, thank you so much, Leslie. Pleasure to chat with you. All yeah, right. thank you for the opportunity.